Better decisions, right? Fewer regrets. And we talked about last week, what makes this simple truth so difficult to apply to our lives is that the easiest person to deceive is the person in the mirror. And if you missed last week, can I encourage you, go back, watch it online. It's a great kind of lays foundation for where we're going to be going over these next six weeks. As we talk about in our lives, how do we make better decisions and experience fewer regrets? Today, I, I want to take some time and look at, I think, one of the key disciplines that's going to help move us towards that idea of just better decisions in our life. It, it's not going to guarantee a good decision, just like being honest with yourself won't mean that you'll always make the right choice. I've had many times I have been honest with myself, honest with my motives, and I have still chosen a want over a need, right? But being honest with ourselves puts a speed, dump, speed bump between us and regret. And today, the discipline I want to share with you is going to do the same thing. I hope it will place one more speed bump between you and the regrets of life. So the big question today is this. When we face that moment, when we face a struggle, will we respond or will we simply react? Because regardless of what we do, a response is always a decision, Right? And it's that choice to respond rather than simply to react that's so powerful because it moves us from a, a victim's mindset, right? It moves us to an overcomer. You, you've experienced that and you've seen that in the lives of people around you. As I think of, I think of many of you, I, I've seen that be so true in your life. Life has dealt you a, a difficult hand, you know? It's been an unhealthy home front or unfair circumstances of life, health problems that come, dysfunctional relationships, financial upheavals that you've experienced. And yet, rather than reacting in a victim mindset that simply cries out, it's not fair, right? Why me? You've chosen to respond in a different way. And that response, rather than simply just a reaction, has changed the narrative of your story. Your pain is now part of your story. It's your testimony. It's your, we'll see today, it's your legacy. Because in that moment of decision, you responded rather than simply react. Today, as I think about that idea, I'm reminded this, that a response always creates less regret than a reaction. I seldom have to apologize for my responses, but my wife Tammy would tell you I have to apologize often for my reactions to things. Because what do reactions do? Reactions just, they take a bad situation and they make it worse, right? It just escalates everything. It escalates the emotion, it escalates the negative consequences, and it ultimately deepens the regret that we have. But a thoughtful response builds a bridge, whereas reaction seems to tear it down. So I think about 2020 and I think about 2021 and I think about our country where, we at, where we're at, I think we're living out this truth, right? I think one of the great dangers of this instant feedback culture we live in, we think even in the context of media, think about this, an event happens, we have a live reaction right on air, we have instant post on social media, commentary is given in the moment when not all the facts and even the big picture are completely understood that's there. Now think about that. Now I'm going to age myself a little bit. Some of you can relate to this. Think about a few years back, uh, an event happened. You might have an instant response on the radio, 
But by the five o'clock news, there's taken a little time to gain a few more facts in perspective. Tomorrow in the newspaper, you would have even more time and perspective and a little bit of commentary. And a month later, when the magazine came out, that was a commentary on the events and how we should think about them and how we should process those things. See, I think the value of days of old was that time lessened the reaction and it allowed for a response. But today, that's not the case. Something happens, it's instantaneous. We have instantaneous commentary. We have instantaneous reaction without even time to process and gather all the things that are happening. And instead of sometimes our reporting being insightful, it is inciting or insightful as it goes. Why? Because never underestimate the power of a measured response. And sometimes that takes the discipline of just being able to pause, right? And give some perspective. The, the Bible teaches us this over, over and over. Think about back in, in the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 19. James writes it this way. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 8 says this. Don't jump to conclusions. There may be a perfectly good explanation for what you just saw. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 20. Observe the people who always talk before they think. Even simpletons are better off than they are. See, your response and the response that you choose is a decision. And those decisions we're going to see today determine your legacy. Solomon taught us this, and he spoke about this in the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 27, if you've got your phones, you can log on and head there, or you go to lexcity.info, all the sermon notes uh, are there in the scriptures that we have. And Solomon says this in chapter 27 uh, of the book of Proverbs. He says, the prudent see danger. And this word prudent, it's not a word that we use a whole lot today, but to be prudent means to be wise, to be shrewd, to be judicious, to be crafty. Are you crafty? I mean, are you prudent? That's the question. And here's what a a prudent person does. It's so interesting. A prudent person connects the dots of their life. They understand that every decision has a consequence and that if what you do in private will ultimately become public and what you do today will impact tomorrow and your choices today determine your options for tomorrow, a prudent person connects the dot and sees that all these things are interwoven. The opposite of that is a prudent prudent person doesn't simply just live in the moment. They have this bigger vision of their life. Today, in the context, we'll call it legacy. They're a legacy thinker in the things that we do. Solomon says they're prudent because they think just beyond the moment. They're prudent because they don't just see the struggle that is right before them. They see a, a bigger picture They don't simply react to what is they're facing today. They respond for a greater level. He continues on to say they're prudent. They see the danger. And what do they do? And they take refuge. A prudent person is able to see that thing in front of them that's going to rob them of their dreams. The thing that could derail their goals or it could put in jeopardy their preferred future. They see it. And what do they do? They take refuge. A person of who is prudent, doesn't simply respond about how they feel in the moment. They understand that this moment has impact that goes far beyond where they're living. They respond and they protect, this is what I love, they protect what is their preferred future. They're thinking bigger. They're thinking legacy thoughts about 
relationships. They're thinking legacy thoughts about their finances, their health, their professional career, their, their children, their faith, or anything that is important to them. A prudent person connects the dots, and what does Solomon say they do? That they take refuge, they protect, they respond to what is best in the best interests for them long term. And they understand this important truth that the storm will pass, right? Take refuge. Storm, it's just a chapter. It's not the full story. So then he contrasts this with a simple person, those who simply react rather than respond to the things of life. Go on in verse 12. But the simple keep going and they pay the penalty. So what happens, Solomon says, when you live your life not understanding that everything is connected, that your decisions today affect your options for tomorrow, Solomon says you'll pay the penalty, and we call it in the context of what we're saying today, that penalty is regret. You'll look back and you'll feel that. So let's be prudent, right? And the six questions that we're kind of working through on this series, the goal of them is for us again to connect the dots, make better decisions and experience fewer regrets. So here's question number two for our time this morning. It's a legacy question. The question is simply this. What story do I want to tell? What, what story do I want to tell? At the end of this season of life and chapter, what's the story I want to tell? High schoolers, when you graduate, four, maybe five years, when you graduate there, and at the end of the year, you have your yearbook, and you want everybody to sign it and put the things on the back. I don't even know if you do that anymore. But in the good old days, we used to. What was the story that you want told about the things that are signed in the back of your book? College students. College, woo, freedom, you are on your own, you are discovering yourself, you're gonna just make your own decisions on this. Here's the question, what's the story that you want to tell during these years of discovery? Can I remind you, if we're not careful, some of the stories of our 20s become our regrets of our 30s, that's there. Parents, got kids at home during this season, all consuming and what it is, but what story do you want your kids to share about you when they're gone? When you have your 50th birthday and you're on the other side of the backside and rolling it down, you're right, what's, what's the story that you want to be told? Are you going to be the hero or are you going to be the villain? Are you going to be the good example or the bad example? Are you going to have a story that's worthy of being read, or do you want a story that you hope nobody ever finds out? You're going to place it on the coffee table, you're going to hide it under the bed, hoping nobody ever sees it. The great news for us this morning, as we think about this concept, is simply this. Listen, men and women, you decide. Students, you decide. Parents, you decide. Followers of Jesus, we decide. You are the author of of your story. So you write the story of your life. Here's the key again, one decision at a time. So the thing that you're wrestling with in this moment, right? The, the challenges of 2020 that are carrying into 2021, the thing that keeps you up at night that, that the struggle is right before you, can I just remind you that thing is a part of your story. It's just a chapter. It's not your entire story, but it's extremely important. For my fellow gamers, when you're gaming, right, and you're playing a, an RPG game, and uh, you're at that point with your character, and you're at a moment of decision, do you do this, or do you do that? Will you save the world, or will the aliens overtake all these things? When you're in that moment of gaming, 
the choices you're making, you're thinking about the outcome, right? You're thinking about the end game. What do I do and how will it affect that? Can I just encourage you, sometimes in our life, we forget to think about our life in the context of a story. The decisions you make today are writing the chapters that affect the end come and the end game as we go. So what will be the story that we share? Aren't easy days to think about that. For some of you, this is, this is a difficult season. Some of you have lost your jobs. Many of you have had your incomes dramatically reduced. Parents, you are home educators and cruise directors 24-7. There are challenges that come with that. And I want to remind us that the story we're living in right at this moment is only a chapter of the big picture. But how do you want this chapter to read? And what do you want the responses to be? You know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and I think one of the most inspiring characters in the Bible, is a young man. And this young man had no idea that over 2,000 years later that we would take time to study his story and to learn from his decisions that he made. He had no idea that his responses would be something that he probably felt were very small in the moment, but would be responses that would inspire us and encourage us. But every big decision is a culmination, right, of a thousand little decisions. You may be known like this character for your big decisions, but you are formed through your little decisions. The young man I want to talk about today is Joseph. And uh, we know a lot about the story of Joseph. I was kind of hesitant to even use him as an example because we're so, if you grew up in church, you're so familiar with Joseph because so many chapters in the Bible are, are allotted to him. It's a story we tell our kids, and if we're not careful, we think it's a children's story rather than really a powerful one for us to look about how we think about decisions. So as we think about Joseph, the story of Joseph and this idea of legacy, probably the moment of his life that you think about is the one that's found in Genesis chapter 45 when Joseph is standing before his brothers, and this is how the scriptures recorded. Joseph says, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. Here's the key. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. And this is the decision, right, of Joseph. Defining moment. Am I going to trust God? Am I going to be willing to forgive? And Joseph makes this decision, and we credit it to his legacy. We credit it to his story, an amazing legacy that's there. But I'm going to tell you the decision that we find in Genesis chapter 45 is only the outflowing of a thousand decisions that were made in small little things from Joseph every day. Joseph, we'll see all throughout his life, he responded, right, rather than react. We see that from the very beginning of the story of Joseph. You go back all the way to Genesis chapter 37, where we're first introduced to him. Joseph, the favored brother of his father. His father gives him this beautiful coat of many colors, if you're familiar. His brothers become jealous, tear the coat off him, and throw Joseph into a well, deciding if they're going to kill him or not. Caravan comes by. They decide to sell Joseph to these caravan uh, people to head off and they're not sure where, and it's this decision time. Can you imagine Joseph, young man at this point, bound probably, 
being drugged along to an unknown future, to an unknown country, wondering what is next for him. If he responds in this moment with simply reaction, what are his reactions? They've got to be things like, you know, why me? I've done nothing wrong. Why am I being betrayed by my family, the people who know me? The people who love me, who should care for me the most are the ones that are creating the most pain in my life. God, I don't understand. You gave me a gift to interpret dreams. And I'm simply using my gifts and now it's creating this problem for me, right? God, why have you forgotten me? God, why are you punishing me in this moment? And Joseph, if he reacts in this moment with the emotions that would be so natural and so easy to come by, if Joseph would allow the woundedness of this betrayal to determine his legacy, friends, I'm gonna tell you, life would have been much different. We would not be reading about him today had he just simply reacted. He simply would have been another victim of an oppressive society and culture like so many that had gone before him and just faded off. But somewhere, while being bound and drugged, somewhere along this journey, and it's so amazing to me, this young man, this teenager, makes a decision in response rather than reacts. Somewhere in this, something within him clicks, and he says, listen, in spite of where I'm at, I'm gonna do two things. I'm gonna trust God, and I'm gonna be true to myself regardless of the circumstances that the next season holds in my life. And Joseph does an amazing thing. Rather than let somebody else write his story, he determines in that moment that he will be the author of his story. And see, isn't it true? There's so many times, wow, there's so many times we allow people and circumstances to hijack our story. Sometimes in the midst of the pain, we give somebody else the pen and say, well, you just write it and you tell me how it ends up. Joseph's, no, 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 no. I'm gonna be the author of my story. And Joseph, who goes from a spoiled rich kid with everything, finds himself with a slave with nothing and no privilege. And now the chapter in his book flips to the next thing. And there are two titles that chapter 34 will read. It's either gonna read The Mistreated and Forgotten Victim of Jealousy, or chapter 34 is gonna read A God Who Was Near in a Faraway Land. Joseph's gonna decide, right? Is he gonna respond or is he going to react? And his decision in that moment, in chapter 34, changes the trajectory not only of his life, it changes the trajectory not only of his family's life, but it literally changes the trajectory uh, of a nation. So we go on as he's there in chapter 39, verse two, it says this, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. One of his choices was this, integrity. I'm gonna be a man of integrity. Integrity is gonna come by responding rather than simply reacting, and he's gonna talk about it simply in the context of, of the workplace. You ever worked for a difficult manager who didn't appreciate you and didn't value you in a, in a difficult company that didn't really, you just seemed to be a number to them, you felt like your work was, was meaningless, I wanna remind you again that even in those times of meaninglessness, listen, the world is watching. You ever notice the difference between an employee who is just punching the clock and getting a paycheck and those that really care about customer service? Go through a drive-through. 
Two different experiences, right? Hot fries or cold fries? Happy face or unhappy face? Why? It's a difference of that. And here's Joseph, man, the sense of, of integrity that says, listen, I'm gonna live my life here. And why? Because the world takes notice. Look at verse three. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph and that he was giving him success in everything he did. See, every day that you punch the clock at your work, you are either building on your legacy and your testimony or you are diminishing it. And it's the little decisions that you make every day that make a difference on that. Failure to do that leads to regret. I'm in college and uh, paying my way through college and so I'm working at a warehouse and uh, so they would hire different college kids to come on to do the grunt labor. And uh, so at the end of the day, we'd be all greasy and dirty and all these things. And we, hey, we quickly learned this, that at five o'clock, if you go and wash your hands, that normally would take three minutes, but if you could take six minutes washing your hands, you could go punch the clock and that six extra minutes by the end of the week would add up to a half hour and it was overtime and that was 12 extra dollars. Seemed like a good idea. Till uh, our supervisor calls us in. Here's the challenge. I'm the only college student from a Bible college and everybody knows it. Regret. I sold my integrity for $12 a week. See, that lesson never left my mind. From now on, when it's five o'clock, you punch the clock out and wash your hands afterwards. Why? Because people are noticing. My supervisors noticed. Potiphar noticed in Joseph's life. And it avoided regret. Integrity in the workplace. And then we move on to Joseph's story. He's probably about 19 or 20 years of age. And another decision comes before him that seems small in the moment but is so significant. The Bible says about Joseph that he was, a, he was an attractive young man. Potiphar's wife notices that he is also is a very attractive young man. And so she makes advances towards Joseph. Reaction. Whoo. This could be good. I'm all by myself. Nobody's ever going to find out. My mama ain't going to find out. Grandma's not going to find out. I deserve this. I'm just a victim in this thing. It's the reaction. He also knows this, that Potiphar's wife could either make Joseph's life easier or literally could take his life from him. And if he chooses to react, we all know where our reaction would lead the context of the story. Compromising our sexual integrity for the fleeting pleasures simply of the moment. But what I love about Joseph is once again, rather than reacting, Joseph responds. And the response of Joseph implies to me that this is a response that he has thought about and rehearsed in his mind many times before, before this even moment came. Go to chapter 39, verse 8, and here's Joseph. He refused her. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here was, has more authority than I do, and he has held back nothing from me except you, that reminds her, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. See, here's the key, friends, right? You, is that you make your decisions about your sexual integrity long before the moment happens. You respond rather than react. If you react in the moment, you're in trouble. You've got to make that decision today about where you think about your own sexuality and your own integrity in that area. So singles, listen, today you're writing your story. You're making your decisions about this. Now make no mistake, if you're single and someday you choose to get married, 
you're gonna have to tell your story. <laughs> and it's either gonna be a good day or an extremely difficult day. Married folks, what's the story that you want told about your marriage? I, I've shared with you often that one of the chapters in my story, in my life, that I want to experience someday is I want to experience the chapter that my great-grandparents experienced, my grandparents experienced, and my parents experienced, and that's simply this, 50 years of marriage, and we're still in love and loving life together. So because that's a chapter I want to be written in my life 20 years from now, listen, here's the key. I've got to make decisions today that are going to enable the preferred future that I want to experience. So I won't meet with a woman alone over lunch. And I don't do long-term counseling sessions with women. Why? Because I know this, that the decisions I make today impact my preferred future that I want to experience. And nobody's first decision is ever to have an affair. There's lots of little decisions that they make along the way. So that big decision, when it comes to it, doesn't feel like a big decision. It's just another one of the little compromises that you make. So what decisions are you already making today about your sexual integrity? It, it's your story, and it's your decisions that make. It just I just want to tell you, though, it's just one of the biggest areas of regret I see and I hear in the stories of, of people's life because they reacted in the moment rather than responding ahead of time, as Joseph said, and said, listen, this is the story. When this moment comes, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna say because I have predetermined this is where my guidelines and this is where my boundaries are. So these are just two little decisions, right, that, that Joseph makes throughout his life that help him to live a life that doesn't lead to regret. Can I encourage you, if you're not as familiar with the story of Joseph, or maybe if you are, go back this week, read Genesis chapter 37 through 50. And look at it again through the perspective of a life of legacy. What were the little decisions that Joseph made and how do we do that? Well, we close the story of Joseph, I think, with this powerful legacy visual. All the way in Genesis chapter 50, verse 22, and it says this. So Joseph and his brothers and their families continued to live in Egypt. And Joseph lived to the age of 110 and he lived to see three generations of descendants of his son, Ephraim. And he lived to see the birth of the children of Manasseh and his son, Makur, whom he claimed as his own. In Genesis chapter 50, closes out with that picture of Joseph. And you know, I, I kind of picture this as Joseph just sitting down, 110 years of age, Bible says three generations around. And this is the joy, right? This is the end chapter. This is the fruit of his decisions to have three generations sit before and Joseph sharing, this is who my God is and this is the things that I've learned. I don't know about you, this is the final chapter I want in my life. And what I do today determines do I get to this point? of my generations before as we share. 20 year olds, can I just say this to you? This is the picture you want. You may not know it now, but 10, 20, 30 years from now, this is, you'll, you'll die for this moment. To sit there and see your children and your grandchildren walking with the Lord. But you don't get to chapter 50 
unless you make the decisions that you make in chapter 37, in chapter 41, in chapter 42. So as we close out our, our time this morning, uh, we wanna, I want to reprise and sing the song we sang a little bit uh, earlier, The Blessing. And as we sing that, I, I want to encourage you to take time to do a couple things. Number one, hear the words in a new and a fresh way through Joseph's lips. I can picture some of these words as he sits there to three generations and says, let me just tell you about my God who went before me and the God who came after me and the God who will walk with you. Let me just tell you that the struggle in 39 was real and I wasn't sure I could make it and I wasn't sure I had the courage to make the right decision. But can I tell you in chapter 50, I'm so glad I said no. And I'm so glad I said yes to this. Second part, I just want to encourage you today, in just moments, we're going to stand and sing. Maybe there's just something God's laying on your heart. <clears throat> Maybe there's an area where you're like, I think I'm reacting rather than responding. And I just want to invite you as we stand and sing the the prayer benches are available up here front. You may want to just come down and spend some time with the Lord and just say, God, this is just something in my life. I, I need to rewrite this chapter. I, I want to get to 50. I want to see it in a new and a fresh way. Or, or maybe there's just somebody, our prayer team, I'll be singers, is just going to be available right down here front. If you want to just come down and pray with somebody, maybe you just need some encouragement and some hug, uh, those folks will be down here as we go. So let's stand together. Let's sing this as our prayer that God would help us to be men and women who think in terms of legacy.